you have the word of the Lord with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So we see, you know, Paul starts out here in, in verse 8. Well, when we look at verse 7, we see that Paul says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. So he starts out and he says, unto me. We look at this unto me. Unto I, Paul. Unto I, Paul, it says, you know, I, Paul, who am less than the least of all saints. So when we look at this, we know the history of Paul. It's not like we can say, well, we don't know. We know what he went through. So we can understand here why he's talking about that I'm the less than the least of all saints. And we can see that through here, there's there's so many scriptures we can look at. You know, we're talking about Ephesians and then Philippians. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start reading at verse 4, going down to 11. Paul again says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things were gain to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So we can see he thought, you know, he starts out and he gives his his lineage and everything and shows that 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 where he was, you know, he he was, you know, brought up of a, a Pharisee, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You know, he... He did, they did everything to him according to the law, circumcised the eighth day. That was according to the law. The stock of, of Israel, you know, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, we can see why he thought that he was in the less, less than the least of all saints. Because of the things he did, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You know, and we were, not maybe in the, in the same way that Paul was, but we were kind of away from God. We were away from Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? We have to look in chapter 2 of Ephesians and see where we were at in our lives. You know, so, but then we get into verse 7, 
and we can see how Paul, things changed for him. You know, on the road to Damascus, things changed for him. And look what he's, but those things were gained to me. See, he thought the things that he had in his life was gain. Just like we, when we were, before we were a child of God, we were the same thing. We thought everything was good for us, you know, everything. We were having so much gain in everything. Oh, this is a wonderful life I'm living. Look at the way I'm doing here. Can it get any better than this? But then he says that, you know, but those things were gained to me. Those I counted lost for Christ. And it's so many things we, we gave up. We gave up because Jesus Christ entered into our hearts and showed us that the things that we're doing were not the right things. Just like Paul, you know, all these things he did under the church, all that he did to those so many Christians, you know, but, but I believe when God takes a lot of those things away from us, he gives us things to fill in. You know, reading the Bible, praying, uh, the different gifts that he gives unto each and one of us. So I counted loss for Christ. He said, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss. You know, and you've heard me say, I, I love the King James Version. It's so expressive of things. You know, when he says here, I counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge. See, he was thinking that, that the knowledge of Christ was way up here. The things he gave up were way down here. But Christ was giving him so many things, the, the knowledge, the excellency of the knowledge. Isn't it amazing? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Look at what he says, my Lord. We looked the way he was before and even on the road to Damascus. What, what did he say on the road to Damascus when, when Jesus said who he was? What wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? And he started out with saying what? Lord, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now he's saying that it's, it's my Lord. It's my Lord. But he's not only saying that it's his Lord. It's every child of God. It's his Lord. Look at what he says. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Suffered the loss of all things. You know, a lot of his friends, his family, all of these. You got to remember but that even today in the day in which we live, if you're a Jew and you turn from the Jewish faith to become a Christian, you understand that your family, the Jewish family, doesn't have nothing to do with you anymore. It's like almost like you're, you're excommunicated out of that family. And your father will say, I no longer have a son. I no longer have a daughter. Because you've denied that faith that they had, and you're accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, it's, it's, you don't, we don't realize sometimes the difference between these religions and, and what they do and everything. So he, it was, he counted all, he, I've suffered the loss of all things. Family, friends, you know, he was, I guess you could say he was in the in crowd then, you know what I mean? And, but it's just that we understand, we need to understand that God's plans are not our plans. Paul didn't plan for this to happen. But God, through Jesus Christ, had a different plan 
for Paul to convert him. And we're going to get into that a little later. I don't want to get, get ahead of myself. But he counted all things. I've suffered a lot and do count them but dung. That's refuse, refuse, garbage. But dung that I may win Christ. What an attitude did Paul have when he's seen these things? You know, I'm gonna look at, you know, Paul, Paul felt that it was a great privilege to preach the gospel. This is a privilege for him to please the God, preach the God. And he'd entered upon it with great delight. He enjoyed going around and preaching and going around to all these places and everything. He was a very humble man. I'm saying he was humble, but you know what? He was very confident. You know, it's kind of like being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the, in the day of Christ. This is the same confidence that Paul had. He was confident as he went out and preached the word because you can see that he was he was close to Jesus Christ. You know? And this is what we need to do. We need to get, we need to try to keep getting close to Jesus Christ. To be as much like Jesus Christ as we can possibly be. And look at it in verse 9. This is the way Paul was. He thought that he was the less than the least of all saints. But when we realize how blessed he became of God, when you realize how much of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And we got to understand, he, he was given a gift far beyond any gift that we could ever imagine to happen. Just like we have preachers today that have been given, you know, really wonderful gifts. You know, we were talking about Brother Bradley writing this book on the doctrines of grace. Brother Jimmy with his podcast. Um, Brother Zach with all the things that the write, the writing that he, he does and everything. You know, these are gifts that go far beyond the normal gifts, I think, that he gives to certain people. Amen. You know, and each one of us have a gift. You know, it's an exhortation. You know, do it, do it, exhort, you know, do the gifts. You know, don't act like as if you haven't had a gift that's been given unto you. The Bible says that's not right. You know, why do you act as though you haven't given it, got it? You know, we, we need to do that and everything as he goes. Look at in verse 90, he says, and be found in him. That's where Paul says, you know what? I want to be found in him, in Jesus Christ, all of the time. All of the time. We should be in him too. Doing those things that are pleasing in his sight, all the thing. Look at what he says, not having my own righteousness. He knows the own righteousness I have is nothing but filthy rags. He says, that, that's nothing. That my own righteousness, which is of the law, which is of the law, he says, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, or the righteousness which is from God by faith. Wow, when we look at these things and realize, you know, this is the only way back in, in I kind of Matthew Mark, he says, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you will no wise and you no wise enter in therein. Except your righteousness, because that righteousness is from God that we have. 
It's not a self-righteousness that those Pharisees and the Sadducees that came unto John to, to be baptized, you know, oh, you generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What does he say? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. Show me your fruits that you're honestly turning away from being a Pharisee and Sadducee and really want to follow the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by being baptized. And you know what? They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They can't. Because they were coming up as false prophets trying to talk to him. In verse 10, that I may know him. Now I've got no underlined in my, you know, and it says, I wrote down underneath there by experience. We, Paul knew God and he's saying, you know, that I may know him, but he knew him by experience. You know, you can go through the Bible and even, you know, past when, when the apostles were there, you know what I mean? It's, um, Jesus Christ hasn't talked to people like they talked to people back then. You know, when Paul was on the road to Emmaus, who was it that spoke to him? As Jesus Christ spoke to him. Paul, Paul, why persecute, or Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So we can see, he knew him by experience. He knew him by experience. When we see uh, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew and Simon, all of these. Can you imagine what it was like to be taught? He taught. Remember what we just read. He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. They were learning. They realized who he was. He was, he was the Christ. You know, and what did Jesus say? You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to them. My Father which in heaven revealed these things unto them that they knew who he was. Who he was. He was Jesus the Christ. You know, we think, we think maybe if, if we do think that Jesus lived this wonderful life here on earth, he didn't. He didn't. He was, he was persecuted. Not everybody liked him. And most of the people that were coming unto him I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I hope I'm right here, Leroy. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were coming to him because they wanted to be healed of something. I don't know how many of them really wanted him to be their Lord and Savior. But they wanted to be healed. Just like Jesus said to her, you know, you're not following me because of me. You're following me because I fed all these people and you want to be fed. You know, we want to be fed, but we want to be fed with the word of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be fed with. That's the things that are going to build us up and uphold us in this world in which we live. You know, we were talking the other day, you know, all these things, everything we see here at this church, everything we have, our houses, everything, is going to melt with a fervent heat. What manner of persons ought we to be? You know, I, that's one thing I like about Jesus and in the scriptures. They ask us questions. What manner of persons ought you to be is not a yes or no question. You understand? It's something you got to really think about to answer. What manner of persons ought you want to be? 
Just like when Joshua said, you know, you can serve the gods in the country we're going. You can, you can serve this, that idol or whatever. But what did he say? But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That's what we got to make a decision by. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do we really fully understand the power of his resurrection? If he didn't rise, arose from the grave, like our song, up from the grave he arose to sit on the right hand of the Father. What does it say in the Bible? You're yet dead in your trespasses and sins. You don't have any hope. No nothing. And the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship. You know, we can have fellowship with him because of his sufferings. Because he suffered for these things on your account. On my account. On Leroy's account. On our account. Being made conformable unto his death. If any, by any means, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Wow, when we see these things, how powerful Paul is. The things that he says here, and we realize how much of a privilege it was. You know, we, we need to understand, you know, Paul was not a very good-looking guy. Bible bears this out. He wasn't a good-looking guy. He was short. I think he was a little squat. His speech was contemptible. But man, could this man write? You know, which goes to show, you know, you don't have to be this good-looking guy. You don't have to have a, a good-sounding voice to preach the message or to give the message. But he was given a gift that he could write. Even Peter says, you know, there were some things that Paul wrote that were, what does he say, were hard to understand. Amen. So if, if Peter says these things are hard to understand, sometimes you look at it and say, wow, it's hard for me sometimes to understand everything that Paul writes in here. Amen. So, but you know, if you don't understand it, what do you know? You ask for God. Ask God. To help you. And he'll help you to understand these things. He giveth to all men liberally. Wow, how, how good he is unto us. Amen. He's awesome. Turn to, uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to read nine and ten. The Apostle Paul, again, he's writing, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet or not fit or proper to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Look in verse 10. It starts out with my favorite word. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain or not wasted, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So we've got three buts here, but what I really want us to look at is in, in this verse 10, uh, the grace, the grace of God is mentioned three times in this verse 10. That unmerited favor of God, 
you know, but by the unmerited favor of God, I am what I am. Paul realized that I didn't deserve this grace that was given unto me. But, you know, he's so happy that this grace was given unto him, given unto him. You know, and this grace was bestowed upon him. You know, that was bestowed, which was means was given to him. Those words was bestowed was not in the original text. That was added by the translators. But we understand this grace which was given unto me was not in vain. You know, it was not, it was not anything that was useless or empty. And empty, that's that word vain. Vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Than they all. We can see Paul went through a lot of things in his life, and he was laboring. He went around to a lot of places, did a lot of traveling and everything. And it's not like these these pastors today that have to ride around in these big fancy cars or they're in these big jets or anything. Sometimes Paul was was walking. Sometimes he might have been on a wagon. Sometimes he might have got on a mule or anything. But he went around to a lot of places. If you have maps... In the back of your, your, your Bible, look at some of the places that the Apostle Paul went to. Amen. It was traveling all over. You talk about frequent flyer miles, but he got, he had, he had a lot of frequent flyer miles that he probably accumulated. But what counted to him, you know what? Was that last flight he took. And that was from earth to heaven. That's all he was worried about. That's all he was worried about. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Amen. It's that grace of God that allowed him to continue on and to go on all these things. You know, Paul was not a rich individual. He relied on these different churches and the people to give him money to be able to do some of these traveling and go the way that he had to go to preach the gospel. And I'm telling you, some of these evangelists, super preachers, if they had to travel the way Paul did back then, they wouldn't be traveling. Some of these people are saying, I can't fly coach. They don't even want to fly first class. They want their own jet so that when they need to go somewhere, they can go. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of them. I really am sometimes. Um, turn to uh, First Timothy. Chapter 1. <clears throat> so we can see, you know, who is less than the least of all saints and that this grace is given. We've been seeing, so I want you to realize when I get, I get the grace that we're seeing that grace, but we're looking at 12 through 15. I thank and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we can see earlier he said it's, it was my Lord. Now he's, you know, we can see he goes back and forth. That in, in Ephesians he was getting personal. He was getting personal. But now he's writing to, to Timothy and he says, It was Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me 
faithful, putting me into the mystery, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save, excuse me, to save sinners of who I am chief. This is how Paul thought himself. Less than the least of all saints. He says, you know, Christ Jesus came into the world. What did he come into the world to do? He came into the world, and Matthew says, to save his people from their sins. To save his people from their sins. To save sinners. And he says, of who I am chief. He's I'm chief because of the things I did. You know, he, Paul is, is basically saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy with the things I did. But he's kind of saying, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. But he says it's been a grace of God that counted him worthy to put him, what did he say? To put him into the ministry. Isn't that what it says? Putting me into the ministry. That ministry. To go out and preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. It's just awesome when we look at this and we see this. You know, from his first sermon to his last, Paul preached Christ and nothing but Christ. That's what he, I saved to know nothing among you, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that was what he was wanting to preach. Christ, from his first to his last sermon, he did preach Christ and nothing but Christ. When we look at these things, it just, it just, I, I think it's, it's just, it should just make us just, uh, it's, it's wonderful what he did and everything, you know? Um, I want to go back to, 1 Corinthians for a second. Chapter, chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians. See, I'm going through these, you know, and, and as Leroy says, you know what? We're only touching the surface with some of these, uh, parts of the Bible, these verses that we bring unto you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When we look, we see these things. You know, he didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. When you see him in here, you know, he's not, he's not using great swelling words of man's wisdom. You know, he's not using fancy words. He's bringing it down to the people, to the people so they can understand it. That's what I like about that book by Brother Bradley. He makes it so that each and every individual could understand it and read it. And he said in the very beginning, he says, you know, I'm going to preach this, even though I know all the members of my congregation 
have heard me preach this, but I'm going to preach it just like as if I had never preached it to them before. So they could look at it and understand it. And just when we see the doctrines of grace, the doctrines of grace, isn't it wonderful when we can see those things? It's, it's awesome. You know, what, is, what does the Bible say? But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. You know, these things are all spiritual things. The natural man cannot receive the things that be of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because what? They are spiritually discerned. So, we go back and we say, you know, who made the eyes to see and who made the ears to hear? God. God formed us. When we look at these things, it's just so good. Here he goes again. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, but he goes on in him crucified. He was crucified. I came not, I came down not to do, to do the will of my father. You know, and that the will of his father was what? That he should die upon the cross for, for our sins. He had to be crucified, crucified. Look at, you know, Paul gets down to his, his human side, you know, uh, we, we see how much he's written, but look at in here. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, knowing what great responsibility was given to him in the writings and the preaching of his word. It was a great responsibility, you know. He was in fear and he was in much trembling going around and doing the things. And if it wasn't by the grace of God, it's probably he would have been, he would have been killed very early in his ministry. But by the grace of God that was with him to watch over him. Verse four, his speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The power, the power of God to bring these things. Look at what he, you know, and, you know, when he's writing to Corinthians, we got to remember all these things were written back then, but they were written aforetime for us to enjoy too in this world in which we live today. And Paul is saying here, it's just as much for the Corinthians there as it is for us in Crown Point here today, Amen. that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, that great power wherewith he raised his son from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That's in Ephesians. I think it's chapter 1, I think still. But anyway, you know, that your face should not, but in the power of God. It's, it's just when we see these things and we go and, you know, it goes on and it, it, it says, I'm hoping I'm going to get done with verse 8 here. Who least in the all saints, uh, to me it's least and the least of all saints, is this grace given. We've seen in so many of these things that we're reading how Paul was saying the grace of God, grace of God, grace of God. And it's here also that 
you know, this is the third time that Paul uses the word of grace in just eight verses. In verse 2, he says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. So this grace that was given to him was for us, was for our benefit, for the things that he was doing here. In verse 7, we read it earlier, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Gift of the grace given unto me by the effectual working of his power. We got to remember that preachers, you know, of Jesus Christ back then didn't go to no seminary school. They didn't get no big diploma to, to put on their wall and whatever to say that they could preach the gospel. It was a gift of the grace of God to be able to preach the gospel. And, and, and as Paul is going on, it's amazing when we, when we look at this and see all these things that Paul Duff does, you know, that grace, that wonderful grace of God, you know, the unmerited favor of God, for by grace are ye saved. It's the same grace that saved Paul. It's that same grace that saved Paul. It's that same grace of God that, that saves us today. It's not a different grace from back then. It's the same grace. It doesn't change. The Bible doesn't change. The letters that Paul wrote, that doesn't change from back then, you know, over 2,000 years ago to now. That's the one thing that is so awesome about the Bible that we have, the King James Bible that we have. It's that it does not change. Not at all. It's, it's when we look at this, it should just make us understand how good he, how good he is unto us. So in here, we get to the latter part of this, and it says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. You know, Paul was sent of God to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And that it was, it was no small task when we realize that when the Jews would not have anything to do with Gentiles. Remember when the one woman wanted some food off the table where Jesus was? He said it's not good to take the food from the children and give to the dogs. We understand that was Jesus that was saying that Gentiles were what? Dogs. But what did the lady said? Yeah, Lord, but the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? When we see those, we see those things and how now that we can enjoy and be participating in this. When we look at that, it's, you know, as Leroy and me were talking, we got to understand back then and even today, there were, there was only, well, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. We got to understand we're not Jews. So what are we? We're Gentiles. We're Gentiles. But again, read chapter 2 of Ephesians. You hath he quickened who, what does it say? We're dead in trespasses and sin. So we can realize the goodness and the greatness of God and the wonderful plan of salvation he has for each and every one of us. Turn to Romans chapter 11. I'm only... 
Romans 11, verse 13. Just to show you, Paul says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office, or I glorify my ministry. Because he was speaking unto the Gentiles. Unto the Gentiles. I just got a couple more that I'm going to get back into something. Turn to Acts chapter 9. I got a lot to read here. I'm going to read 11 through 16. And this is, this is again, it's back when uh, Paul was on, uh, was in Damascus. Uh, in all, Paul, uh, God was talking to Ananias. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire of, the, inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. How many things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, Paul did not live this glorious life. That's what we have to understand. He did not. I mean, he was, you know, I'm not saying he was like John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey, but I don't think he was uh, eating steak and lobster, shall we say. You know what I mean? But, see, we got to understand that even though he was like this, that Jesus was with him all the time. You know, when he says that, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, you know, he was talking to Paul as much as he was talking to us. And he was with him, watching over him all the time, taking care of him. Look at, go to chapter 13 in Acts. Verses 46 and 48, or 46 through 48. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been preached to you. But seeing, <coughs> excuse me, but, but seeing, God, where am I at now? I, I lost it. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And so have, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be served for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing when we see this, you know. And the Gentiles were glad. And I, I, I hope that in this day in which we live, that we have that same gladness 
gladness do we realize that the word of the Lord is given unto us also. It was amazing. And as many as were ordained, see, we got to understand. And as many as what were ordained to eternal life believed. That means what? They were chosen of God. Chosen of God to believe. What does this mean, Bill? It means what? Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Because they were ordained to eternal life. Amen. Wow. We look at these things and we see, you know, I don't want to get into this too deep with the, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable means past finding out. That means these unsearchable riches are so abundant that it's past searching out. We can keep searching and searching and searching. And we're going to continue to see the riches, the abundance. See, some people might say riches. When I looked it up, even in the concordance, it said wealth. But we're rich. We are rich far beyond with the unsearchable riches. These are spiritual things that are given unto us, not earthly things that are given unto us. It's not earthly riches he's talking about. Heavenly riches, spiritual riches Amen. that he's talk, talked about. You know, Paul valued the gospel, calling it, we well, see it calling it the unsearchable riches of Christ. So this last little thing I, I was thinking as I was reading this, and I wrote this down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this in closing. Would we not want to read and study the Bible to find the riches contained in it? We can never exhaust the riches of Christ. It just, it just hit me so much. We, we can't exhaust the riches of Christ. And that wouldn't we want, wouldn't we want to read and to study out the scriptures to find these riches that are contained in here. When we, when we see these things and we read about the apostle, the apostle Paul and all the riches that are contained in there, it, it just makes us, uh, realize how good God is to us. That's all I can say. God, God is so good to us. Amen. You know, you know, before the foundation of the world, just, just reading about that and, he wrote, I was reading somebody that they, they wrote that the names are written in indelibly. Indelibly. You know, back when you had a lot of the fountain pens and everything, they, they said it was indelible ink. Okay. That meant that you couldn't, you couldn't erase it, you know, and God, when he puts those names in there, he meant for those names to stay in there for eternity. That's why they're in there indelibly, never to be erased. We're never going to be erased out of that because we have been, what, adopted into his family. I thank you for your kind attention this morning.